excellent devices for retention of sales training. There's probably at least eight or ten different devices you can use for sales training retention or really any kind of training retention. And uh, I think that this is one of the things that's severely lacking in most training programs of most types, but particularly in sales training. We do very few retention exercises with people. Many times the sales trainer shows you a video or gives you something to read or gives you a checklist and says, now go do this, and there you are. That is not sufficient. In order to train people to do the correct phrases and use the correct process, you've got to do retention exercises to make that work. Uh, actors who perform in movies and plays, they don't just look at a script once or twice and then go do it. They study and practice and mull over the words and mull over the phrases and the meanings of the phrases and the motivations behind the meanings of the phrases. And it's a long, difficult, involved process to get someone to the point where they look very natural and very much in character doing the script to a play or a movie. It is the same thing with sales training. Uh, in order to be very natural and spontaneous and conversational and to maintain your empathetic connection with the people you're talking to takes a lot of practice. Now, many times in sales training, we also try to get people to do some whole big involved process we give them a 14-point checklist and 17 paragraphs and 14 more reasons and say, now, this is what you need to do on every sale and go out and do it. And that is very difficult. It might even be impossible for people to perform like that, where they're trying to learn one whole big thing very quickly, digest it very quickly, and then do it just so on every interaction when Every customer or every prospect they deal with is a different person in a different situation, in a different frame of mind, with different experiences and different ways of thinking and different ways of expressing themselves, and you just, you just can't apply a strict template to that. It doesn't work. One of the things I claim to be good at is dog training. And one of the things that's really fun to see is when a dog will retrieve an object over a jump. So the dog's sitting next to its handler. The handler tosses the retrieval object over a wall uh, or a jump. The dog jumps over the jump, grabs the retrieval object, jumps back over the jump, runs over to the handler and sits in front of the handler and nicely presents the retrieval object to the handler. It looks really neat and it's really smooth and when you see it done, it, uh, it looks like some lovely choreography and a whole lot of fun. In fact, there's about 12 different components that go into that one exercise. So people who try to train a dog to retrieve an object over a jump and think that that is one exercise and one process, uh, they usually end up confusing the dog, killing the dog's motivation, getting angry with the dog, and doing all kinds of stupid things, and end up with a dog that won't ever jump anything, uh, will refuse to retrieve, and hates coming close to the handler. 
this is the kind of thing that we see often in sales training, where salespeople are afraid to perform and don't want to get near their bosses. Uh, so instead, we should be breaking down our sales process into the most basic components and train those components until the components are good and then put them together. So there are several benefits to that. One of those benefits being that uh, if you're teaching your dog to do the retrieve over the jump and something falls apart in the training and it no longer works right, you just have to isolate the one component that broke and fix that component and put it all back together again. You don't have to start from scratch and try and do the whole thing all over again. You just fix the one component piece. Same thing happens in sales training. If you listen to one of your sales agent's uh, phone calls or, or watch a video of them on a presentation and something goes wrong, all you have to do is isolate that one point, that one phrase, that one decision point, and fix that. You don't have to approach the whole thing as an entire entity. Uh, it is also true that in many cases, there's only one or two phrases that will make or break a sale. If someone's following my five rules of selling, uh, and if someone is being empathetic, and if someone uh, understands and um, has confidence in their offering, really, they just have to have a conversation and use the right two or three or four phrases at the right time, and they're good. It doesn't have to be a whole long involved process that they have to learn by rote. Now, yes, many services and products come with uh, compliance issues. That's easy to handle. All you have to do is at the right time say, now let me just cover some compliance issues for you and go to the script and say, okay, I have to run this as a script to make sure I have to cover all the compliance items. So one, you agree to not do this. Two, we agree to do that. Four, you're aware of that. Okay, great. Now we've covered the compliance issues. So that stuff is easy to do. You can just go to the script for that. But all of the sales process and the turning uh, that the the turns of events that happen around decision points and hesitancies and resistance and the need for assurance, all of those can be solved with a few good phrases. So the trick is to find the good phrases field test them until you get them pretty close to perfect and then help people learn those and retain those help them field test them and tweak them to their own liking to their own personality to their own manner of speaking and then get that retention way up there okay so here's the eight devices for training retention device number one is reading you need to read the phrase or the piece of scripting uh, and read it over and over again. Uh, all of these retention devices help to ingrain or engrave into your brain, into your head computer, uh, almost in 3D, what this phrase is, when to use it, how to store it, how to phrase it, and all of that. And reading something is a powerful way to do that. Now, reading is a little bit like sorcery, and probably the reason that the original people who invented language and invented reading 
kept it from the masses as they developed it was because they realized the amazing power of reading and they were afraid to share that power with people for a variety of reasons. Either they didn't want to share power with them or they felt that other people didn't have the uh, fortitude or the mental strength or the spiritual wisdom to handle such amazing wizardry, sorcery as the ability to read. But in any case, reading is like magic. So when you can read these phrases to yourself, that really helps you absorb them and digest them. So let's think for a minute about one positive um, confident sounding phrase that you can use in a sale. Let's start with, quote, let's start this, quote, let's get this started for you now, end quote. This is a very general phrase that you can use to move the process along in just about any kind of selling. So read this, let's get this started for you now, period. Let's get this started for you now, period. Okay, you've read this a few times and you've absorbed it. So, wonderful. Uh, let's talk about the next um, retention device, which is to see it being done. Now, observation is a powerful tool. When you see someone performing a task in person enough times, you absorb that ability. So, uh, what you need to do is to shoot a, uh, is to find a video of someone saying, "Let's get this started for you now." If you go to Tron Jordheim's channel on um, on YouTube, you'll find me saying, "Let's get this started for you now." So just find the video that says, "Let's get this started for you now," and watch it a few times. To watch someone else doing something uh, is really a powerful tool of observation. Uh, this is how many uh, animals learn to do things. They watch adult animals uh, in their family do things, and they just pick it up. So uh, let's get this started for you now. Uh, another thing is to um, watch people uh, do this live. To Now, the, there's a difference between... Uh, watching something live and watching something on video. And this is the difference between cinema and theater. So when you see a particular show live on stage, it's a very different experience than when you see that show, say, in a movie or on TV or, or on a small screen. It's a very different experience. So what you need to do now is to go find a friend who's going to say, Let's get this started for you now several times and you watch them saying it. So go find a friend or a family member and have them say several times, let's get this started for you now. Let's get this started for you now and see what it feels like to watch someone else doing that. Okay. So the next uh, retention device is to practice. Now, practice and repetition are not the same thing. When you practice something, you explore it, uh, you listen to it, you craft it, you tweak it until you get it just right, and you improve it a little bit each time until that activity really becomes a part of you. So um, the best way to practice is often with a friend. So 
go find a friend uh, or a family member and say to each other a few times, let's get this started for you now. Now, practice out the rhythm of the words. Practice out where you're going to emphasize it. Are you putting on the emphasis on let's or now or this? How does that feel? How does it sound? Do this back and forth with each other for a while until you've found some comfort level in saying uh, many times over, let's get this started for you now, and, and helping your partner or family member practice that with you. So the next retention device, retention device number five, is to repeat things. And repetition is different than practice. When you have practiced something to the point where you like how it's feeling and sounding, then you can use repetition. So just say to yourself 10 times, and it's just mindless training. Let's get this started for you now. 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 Just keep repeating it and it will become ingrained in your head. Uh, now, the next way to use repetition is to take advantage of some of the moods of training that I talk about in other places in this book or in other presentations. And one of the moods of training that helps you is to just is to be silly and to be lighthearted and to be playful. Those are some of the moods that help you. So now that you have uh, practiced this and seen it and watched it, uh, and now you're repeating it, I want you to repeat it several times in a really goofy British accent. Let's get this started for you now. Let's get this started for you now. Great. After you've done that and felt silly and goofy, now say it in a funny French accent. Let's uh, get this started for you now. Uh, so that you sound like uh, Steve Martin doing Inspector Clouseau or something just goofy like that. And try it in some other accent. Jamaican, Spanish, Canadian, I don't care. Try it in some different accents. Do it with your friends and family and just be goofy about it. And it will really help your brain absorb things. The reason children learn so well is not because they're smart, it's because they are playful. And while they're playing and goofing around and using their imagination on things, they absorb them. Uh, after we become adults and we stop being childlike and stop having fun and stop playing and using our imagination, it's much harder for us to learn because our brain is not impressed by things that are not fun, that don't use our imagination, that aren't silly and, and fun to do with your friends. So if you want to impress your brain with something you're trying to learn, you have to have some element of fun, some element of silly, some element of play, some element of group goofiness. Your brain is impressed by that. All this other stuff, your brain is just bored with, and that's why it's hard to learn. So, the next retention device, device number six, is to do it in a mirror. So go find a mirror and say the phrase to yourself many times over, watching how you say it, 
uh, watching your uh, eyes, watching your facial expressions, watching how you wag your head, and watching your lips move, and say it to yourself, let's get this started for you now. Let's get this started for you now. Let's get this started for you now. Practicing in a mirror like that really helps you see how you look when you're saying a particular phrase, but it also helps you tune into the person that you're talking to because you practice tuning into yourself in the mirror and that helps you tuning to tune into the person you're talking to live or on the phone or however you're doing it. So why do you think they have mirrors in dance studios and gyms and workout places? They have those so you can look at yourself to see if you're doing things right, to see if you need to make adjustments. And the same thing works in learning phrases and learning selling. So go to a mirror and practice in front of a mirror. Retention device number seven is to audio record yourself. So find your audio notes or audio recorder or use your video recorder and just don't look at yourself. Just listen to what you're videoing and record yourself saying the phrases or the pieces of scripting several times to hear how it sounds so that you can then craft it a little bit further, uh, figure out uh, how you're going to improve the sound of it and so on. Because you need to uh, understand how you're sounding and the sound of yourself will show to your prospect or your customer how confident you are in the product and how polished you are talking about it. So audio record yourself, listen to what you did, erase it. Audio record yourself, listen to what you did, then erase it, okay? Uh, retention device number eight is to video record it. So now take the video recorder on your phone or wherever you have one on your laptop or something and video record yourself saying it. This is somewhat similar to doing it in a mirror, but it's not because in the mirror you're evaluating yourself in real time and helping yourself in real time When you're video recording it, you're watching it after the fact, and it really helps you, from a different point of view, see what you're doing. So do this many times over. Video yourself saying this. Let's get this started for you now. Let's get this started for you now. And video it several times, and then come back to to this printed material. Okay? So... Uh, Now you're starting to know this phrase really pretty well. Let's talk about a couple other retention devices that are wonderful. Retention device number nine is to write it. Now when you write things, I recommend that you use a pencil or a crayon uh, because a pen generally moves too smoothly on the paper. There is something about the friction between a pencil and a crayon on between the pencil and the crayon and the paper with the movement of your arm and the tracking of your eyes as you're writing it that really just engraves that into your mind and into your brain. 
The best way to do this is to do it longhand in script because the friction on the paper doesn't stop and the motion of your arm is much more flowing. If you do it in block lettering, that works too, but it's, it, it's a choppy and broken up experience for your mind. If you do it in longhand script, uh, it is like really, it is really like engraving it into your mind. So find a piece of paper, find some crayons, find a pencil, and write this several times. Let's get this started for you now. Let's get this started for you now. And as you do this, with all the other retention devices, for all of the different scripting that's important to you, uh, you, you are going to learn these things uh, in such a way that it's going to be hard for you to not do this right. So th there's an old story about Larry Bird, who used to be center for the Boston Celtics. Uh, he had a really good free throw percentage. And I don't know whether this story is true or not, but it's a great story. So the story goes like this. Uh, he was going to do a TV commercial for a particular product, and I can't tell you what that product was but, uh, because I don't remember. But in the ad, he was supposed to miss a free throw. And the way the story goes is it took him something like 15 or 20 tries to miss a free throw because when he stood at the free throw line, all of his retention and all of his training and all of his focus was so finely tuned on making the free throw that he couldn't make himself miss it without really working hard to miss it. So the point of that story is, if you are working on your retention exercises correctly for all of your sales training, when you are at your most tired, it's the end of the day, you're talking to the last prospect, you're having a bad day, you don't feel well, you're having some trouble outside of work that's worrying you, there's some family issue that's worrying you, you don't feel good, you're tired, it's the end of the day, you're talking to a difficult prospect, and what happens here? You have to fall back on your training. And if your retention is so good that even when you're tired and stressed and worried about everything else in the world, you still know to say, well, let's get this started for you now at the right time, in the right way, with the right person, then you make the sale and look good and look unworried and look unstressed to that customer. So that's the power of training is what do you do on your worst day? If on your worst day, your retention activities and the wisdom of the choices of the phrases that you used for your retention activities all come into play and support you, you can be good at selling on your worst day. And that is the goal of training is to be good on your worst day. Now, let's talk about Another silly retention device. I told you I claim to be pretty good with dogs. Well, another really good retention device, if you have a dog, is to practice your sales practices to your dog. Now, that sounds, of course, very funny and silly, and it is. And remember, I said funny, silly, goofy, playful are important parts of retention. 
But the other thing about retention is learning empathy and focus. And if you start talking to your dog and start uh, using retention devices and you say to your dog, hey, let's get this started for you now, let's get this started for you now, your dog has an internal dialogue that your dog does with itself and your dog will say to itself, what is this person saying and what does any of this have to do with taking me for a walk, feeding me or playing with me? Because those are basically the three things that most dogs care about in life. There's not a lot else to care about. And they're looking at you thinking, what does any of this have to do with feeding me, playing with me, or taking me for a walk? And if they hold their focus and you can hold their attention uh, in the manner in which you are practicing your phrase, then you are amazing because what any dog in its right mind would do would just be to ignore you and walk away and say, well, that was useless. That had nothing to do with walking me, playing with me, or feeding me. But if you can hold your dog's focus, it also helps you get in touch with the internal dialogue of the prospects and customers you're talking to because in some ways, our customers and prospects are no different than dogs. We are all pretty much ruled by our basic instincts. Now, we may have a few other things besides uh, going for walks, getting played with, and eating that we're interested in, but we don't have that many things we're interested in. And so if while you're talking to a prospect, your prospect or customer is thinking, what does any of this have to do with me going for a walk, getting fed, or playing? Uh, and you're able to hold their attention and help them understand what it has to do with them, then you are also doing very well. So I realize this 10th retention device of practicing to your dog is pretty silly, but you get my point. Now, if you have a cat as your companion, and you try practicing your uh, phrases on your cat to see if if you can get your cat to believe you, um, that's even more difficult because your cat's going to look at you and say, oh my gosh, what is wrong with this person? So if you can get your cat to listen to you and stay focused, then you're really doing well. Okay, I'm sure I've said too much and been too silly, but that's okay. You get the point, and by now you should really know how to say